bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobil. And now, today's word. Today, um, I'm teaching a message with a quite an interesting title. It's called The Strange Women of Christmas. The Strange Women of Christmas. And uh, I don't know what your imagination is telling you uh, that the message is all about. But, you know, strange things happen at Christmas. And uh, all kinds of things happen. And we're going to look at uh, the story of Christmas because Christmas, as you know, is about the birth of Christ. And it's about the, 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 the sequence of events that led to the birth of Christ. And uh, when you look into some of the factors that led to the birth of Christ, there are some very interesting characters and strange people. Turn with me in your Bible. To Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 1, and we'll read verses 1 to 6. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. And this is how the book of Matthew begins. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers, and Judah begot Perez, and Zerah begot Tamar, Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Abinadab, and Abinadab begot Nashun, and Nashun begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, and David begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. This is one of those narratives in the Bible that you skip when you are reading the Bible. Begot, begot, who begot, who begot, who begot, who begot. Uh, but Jesus, as you know, grew up in a Jewish community. Jesus was a Jew by birth. And he grew up in, amongst a people who were very particular about family lineage and family heritage. Who is in your family? Who is the member of your family? And sometimes you were uh, considered to be a blessed person because of who was in your family and you were considered a cursed person because of who is in your family. And so Matthew begins to trace the birth of Christ, not with Christ himself, but with his lineage, with his genealogy. And in the genealogy, the first six chapter, uh, verses of the genealogy of Christ, there are four strange women who feature in the genealogy of Jesus. Normally, if you consider, and we're going to consider those four women, if you consider who they were, you would not put them in the family of Jesus Christ. Because most of the time when people become great and successful, they sanitize their family. They clean up all the bad people in their family and talk about all the heroes in their family. But the Bible is a Bible is a book of accurate record and it talks about strange women in the life of Christ. And those are the women I call the strange women of Christmas. The first one is in verse 3. 
And Judah begat Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And you can underline Tamar. That's the first strange woman. The second strange woman is the second two are in verse 5. And Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. So underline Rahab and underline Ruth. And verse 6. And Jesse begot David the king. David begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. You can underline wife of Uriah and you know her as Bathsheba. And when you consider these four people, one of them was a prostitute. One of them seduced her father-in-law and had a child through her father-in-law. The other was from a tribe that was not liked and God, God had forbidden Israel to marry into. The other was a woman who had been, uh, whose husband was killed so that the king could marry her. And all these four women are in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So what does that teach us? It teaches us four important things. One, that Jesus is the Messiah for all people. Jesus is the Messiah for all people. Number two, that God takes the sinful and washes them clean. Number three, in God's kingdom, there are no second class citizens. And number four, there is newness of life in Christ Jesus. Those are the important themes that we will be considering as we look at each one of these Four strange women. We will not have time to look into their lives in detail. I will just give you the scriptural references where their stories occur in the Bible and you can go and do your own study of them. But what I will try to do is to give you a summary of the lives of these four women. Very colorful stories. Some of the stories are so colorful that it's difficult to talk about them in the pulpit. But, you know, God is not shy of controversy. And the Bible is not shy of reality. And God speaks about reality in the Bible. God talks about all the dirty little things that people did with their lives. Even people who were in covenant with him. People he loved. When they did bad things, God spoke about them. And uh, these four women are women that speak a lot to us. The first one we will consider is the woman called Tamar. Her story is found in Genesis chapter 38 and you can just write the scripture down and you can read it later on. But Tamar was a very interesting character. She was the wife of one of the sons of Judah. And as you know, Judah was a son of Jacob. He was part of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the promise of the Messiah was that he was going to come through the tribe of Judah. So Judah is very important to God's prophetic direction and the lineage of the Messiah. So Judah's son married Tamar 
And the Bible describes a man as a very wicked man. He was a bad man. And the Bible says, so God killed him. The woman's husband was so bad, Thomas' husband was so bad, that God killed him. And then, the culture at that time was that if your husband dies, his brother should marry the woman who is left so that a child can be produced in the name of the dead husband so the name of the dead man is not cut out from the genealogies. And so, the younger brother of the dead man was supposed to go and produce a child with Tamar. However, he did not want to produce a child with Tamar and so went through a lot of processes I don't feel the liberty to talk about in the pulpit today. But the net effect is that he refused to have a child with Tamar. And the Bible says the thing displeased God so much that God killed him too. So one woman, two killed husbands. So Judah, the father-in-law, decides that, well, the tradition says another son should marry this woman. So Judah tells the woman, the third one is young. Let him grow up, and when he grows up, he will marry you. But the man is smart because he, he somehow begins to feel that Tamar is bad luck. That Tamar is bringing death to his family. Already two of the sons have died. So when the third born, the third son grows up, although she had been, he had been promised to marry Tamar, Judah decides not to give the son to Tamar. And so gives the son to somebody else to marry. So Tamar is desperate because she needs a child. And she has been deceived. And she does the most unimaginable thing. Never do that. But she does the most unimaginable thing. She dressed like a prostitute. And went to stand in a certain place where the father-in-law frequents, because at this time the father-in-law had also lost his wife, sorry, and uh, I'm sure he's in need of support. <laughs> so Tamar dresses like a prostitute, and she went, goes to stand where the father-in-law will come to. And the father-in-law comes in, sees her, and... I'm sure wants to have some fun, so goes to sleep with a woman because he, he thinks it's a prostitute. And uh, in the, after, after he did what he had done, he didn't have money to pay. I'm not making it up, it's in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's, 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 it's tougher than what I'm saying, but I'm trying to sanitize it because some of you are too pure. <laughs> the, the guy couldn't pay so the woman says give me your staff and your ring as guarantee and I will stand here with your ring and your staff and you go home and collect money and come and pay me and then you get your ring and staff back 
So Judah goes home, brings some money, and when he comes, the woman has disappeared with his ring and his staff. A few months later, the story begins to make the rounds that Tamar, who is supposed to be a widow, is pregnant. And Judah gets angry because she, she's still in the household of Judah, having been married to two of his sons. And Judah says, this is an abomination. It doesn't have to happen. Go and bring the woman. So she'll be stoned to death according to the law. Hmm. So Tamar takes the ring and the staff and gives it to the messengers who had come to collect her to be killed. And uh, says, go and tell Judah that the man who owns the ring and the staff is the one who made me pregnant. So they go out there, they tell Judah, well, the Tamar says the one who owns this ring and the staff is the one who made her pregnant. Do you know who the person is? And Judah couldn't hide his guilt. He says to Tamar, you'll be more righteous than I am and uh, you've act, uh, you can't be killed, definitely. <laughs> the one who's supposed to kill is the one who did it. So you can't be killed. So they shut her up. Judah never slept with her, but she became pregnant and she gave birth. While she was giving birth, something strange happens. There is a breech birth and the one, a child comes stretches out the hand as if the child is coming out and, and so the midwives tie the hand of the child with a cord, a red cord and then strangely something happens, the child goes back and another child breaks through and comes before the one who was coming first and so they say, wow what is this strange thing but that child becomes an ancestor of Jesus Christ. However, if you look at this whole messy situation, you would think after such an abomination, how can God make anything good come out of such a messy, messy, dirty story? Incest, blackmail, deception, prostitution, attempted murder, and yet, Perez is born and he continues the lineage for the Messiah to come through. A strange woman, strange things, but she is an ancestor of Christ. What does Tama teach us? She teaches us about cleansing, that in Christ we can be cleansed from all our abominations. Many times we are very judgmental, aren't we? We are like Judah. Stone her. Most of the time those who say stone are doing the same things. The only thing is they've not been caught yet. Some even don't have the graciousness to accept their mistake when they are caught. God is the God of cleansing. Tama was denied what was promised her. There are many of us who feel that what has been promised us has been denied. Somebody says, wait, I will give you that. And when it's time, you waited your turn, 
you think you've paid a price, you think it's time for you to receive what you've waited for, and somebody else has it. She was denied what she was promised. Not only that, Tamar committed an abomination out of desperation. There are people who out of desperation do despicable things. And I'm not by any means encouraging you to go and be like Tamar. There is only one Tamar and you are not supposed to be her duplicate. But sometimes out of desperation people do things. What kind of things have men done, have women done, have children done in desperation? And sometimes those desperate acts become very sordid, dirty, ugly things. And everybody looks at them and says, stone them, kill them. It's very easy to say, kill them. But who knows, maybe the ring and the, and the, and the staff belongs to you. But Tamar was delivered from death sentence. She was delivered from death, death sentence. And she preserved the messianic line of Judah. Isn't it amazing there were other wives of other sons of Judah? But God says, my grace is sufficient. My love and my mercy goes beyond your abomination. God's power goes beyond human limitations. God's grace exceeds our human effort. And he is able to look beyond our iniquities and still provide redemption in our hearts. He does not approve of what we do and he does not condone our sin, but he can redeem our sins and our mistake. Tama tells us that there is cleansing in life, that God still cleanses the abominations of men. The second strange woman of Christmas is Rahab. Rahab, her story is in Joshua chapter 2 and then later on chapter 4. But if you know the story of Israel, of, of Israel's entering the promised land, well, spies were sent out, two spies were sent out to go and spy out Jericho because Israel was going to lay siege against the city and conquer it. When the two spies went, they went to the most unlikely place, the home of Rahab. Rahab was the prostitute. The men went to hide there. And for some reason, this woman with a very bad record and a very bad life felt in her heart that these good men needed protection. And although she was in a bad trade, she recognized goodness in people. And she decided these are good people. These are people with a purpose. And she risked her life to save those men. The life of Rahab speaks to us about usefulness. Usefulness. That God can use even the most undesirable characters around us. People that we think have no character, they are immoral, they are wrong. We speak against them 
We spit on them. God can still use them. And sometimes bad people can do good things. Sometimes evil people can do right things. That they can also be redeemed. They can also be saved. They can also be put right. It's easy to judge people. But I'm sure when God looks up down on this earth, if he was to deal with all of us according to our works, none of us will qualify. Just thank God for his grace that you've not been caught. Thank God for his grace that your thoughts are secret. Oh, if our thoughts were known by people, what horrible thoughts we think every day. Rahab, useful to the Lord. She sold her body in prostitution. Unfortunately, that profession is still alive. Sometimes you wonder why it's not stamped out. <laughs> we can arrest armed robbers. But prostitutes have no guns, but nobody can arrest them. Is it probably an indication that those who should arrest have already been arrested? <laughs> that is by no means an encouragement for you to go into that profession. She sold her body. She lost her dignity. She lost her self-respect. Society didn't like her because she was practicing something that nobody respected. And so she lived in isolation and shame. If you read the account, she lived alone in the wall of Jericho. Her house was on the wall. Far away, removed from society, removed from the community. Nobody really thought about her. They spoke with her with degradation. They insulted her. They insulted her relatives. Her father and mother felt ashamed of her profession. And rightfully so. Because she was doing the wrong thing. But God sometimes goes to places that nobody wants to go to. God sometimes talks to people that you don't want to talk to. If God was like us, only good people will be saved. And bad people will be allowed to burn in hell. In spite of all her problems, Rahab believed in the promises of God to Israel. She had heard about what God did for Israel in Egypt and how God delivered them. She had heard stories that there is a tribe of people coming. And God is with them. And God is working miracles with them. She had heard that manna had fallen from heaven for these people. She had heard all these stories. It was news in Jericho. And she heard it. And whilst the rest of her townspeople were fighting the promise of God, she believed the promise of God. A woman with a bad reputation but a good heart. Her heart was right. She believed. 
she told the people the spies we have heard that God is with you we have heard that God goes before you we have heard the victories that God has given to you and I believe it Rahab a woman with a bad reputation but a good heart she believed in the promise of God to Israel and not only that she protected the spies and eventually brought deliverance to her whole family she brought deliverance to her whole family a strange woman of Christmas in the end her father her mother her brothers her relatives all went to her house which nobody wants to go to because that was the only house that was preserved when Jericho fell only the house of Rahab the prostitute survived and only those who went to her house survived she teaches us about usefulness eventually she reformed her life she changed she was integrated into the Jewish society and that is how come she married a decent man who continued her and brought her into the messianic line God can still use you if you would just believe his promise you believe his report if you will believe what he says about you if you believe what he says he wants to do with your life you can trust him and he can make your life useful one more time the shame will be gone the disappointment will be gone the insults will be turned into blessings Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebile, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebile. Email otebile at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.